Attorney General is uh, giving his opening statement before he gets grilled by a bunch of people, and then uh, everybody assumes confirmed as the Attorney General of the United States of America. Oh, I think you're taking a, a leap a bit too soon there, Jack, because, uh, you know, he wrote uh, that, that that memo, that unsolicited memo a few months back, critical of the Mueller investigation, did uh, Mr. Barr, William Barr, um, former Attorney General under George H.W. Bush, 1992 to 94, I think. Was it? Yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, uh, uh, and and there's a great deal of posturing going on that that was clearly an indication that he will shut down the Mueller investigation. We should all be afraid for our lives, even though Barr himself has said repeatedly, oh, no, 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 you got to let it finish and give him plenty of room and plenty of time. So it is an utterly answered question. It is settled law, as we say, and yet there will be a great deal of kabuki theater and phony shouting. Over this nomination for the next, I don't know, 24 hours. How long are they going to drag this out? Do you know? Day two? <laughs> When's Cohen do his speaking? Is that this week? Uh, Avenatti and Stormy Daniels apparently have tickets to sit over his shoulder. You know, <laughs> you know how that's a that's a popular thing now to have right. like celebrity or wacky or whatever. The, they got the Alyssa Milano seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Or the uh, the guy from Monopoly seat. Um. <laughs> oh, right. The guy who dressed up as the right the the mogul from Monopoly with the big mustache. They Which got is bigger every. A great maneuver. Um, yeah. So now it's going to be Avenatti and Stormy Daniels over his shoulder for the Cohen. They got to put an end to that, right? It's becoming a bit of a farce. No, please don't. Do you like it? It's the only thing that gets me through the day, that sort of thing. (laughs) Speaking of posturing, uh, it's and listen, a lot of you see through it. Some of you don't, um, and that's fine. I've spent my life studying this stuff. You can't expect everybody to be as into what you're into as you are, but yes, positive, Sean? Uh, Cohen has agreed to testify publicly on February the 7th, so still a ways away. I'll be prepared. Right, that's getting close to my birthday. Maybe I'll throw some sort of Cohen viewing party. <laughs> would be okay. amusing. Okay. We'll Bring get, your own taxi medallion. We'll get liquored up and watch congressional testimony. Oh, yeah. Speaking of what I'm into, uh, but so listen, so much of the politics today is just such bold-faced uh, posturing. It's just so silly. I mean, you've got the government shut down in the whole border dealio, and the media bothers the heck out of me because they're uh, they're talking about Democrats won't back down on building uh, Trump's wall. Well, at this point, the president's asking for like five billion dollars, which uh, is going to essentially repair some of the current uh, uh, border physical barrier, add a little bit more, and it's just an incremental extension of something that the Democrats have voted for over and over and over through the years. And, you know, at the same time, you could accuse the president of, you know, having set the bar so high, building the wall and making Mexico pay for it, that... He's in a situation where he absolutely has to get this, or it's a political humiliation, and it really isn't. The irony of it is is it's mostly just kind of an incremental change in border security anyway, from either side. It's not like building a complete wall, and the Democrats are such liars when they're acting like, we're building bridges, not walls. Malls are immoral. Oh, yeah, big liars. You vote for this stuff all the time. So, anyway, that's phony and posturing. Here's another great example of this, and this is a a piece written by a friend, Eddie Scary, at the Washington Examiner. He's talking about back in 2014, when both the President of the United States, who was a young fellow by the name of Barack Obama, and the mainstream media were not only willing to say there was a crisis on the border, but saying it all the time. And now, of course, you know, 
anybody who's who's left of Lindsey Graham is oh, what a crisis. There's no crisis. That's a lie. It's manu- manu- yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. That was great. I can't remember somebody else. It might have been Tucker Carlson did a uh, one of those uh, clip parades of all of the Democratic operatives and the news media saying it's a manufactured crisis. Manufactured. It's manufactured. You know, in my opinion, it's not a crisis. It's manufactured. That was the talking point of the day. But he points out, Barack Obama, Rose Garden, 2014. We now have an actual humanitarian crisis on the border that only underscores the need to drop the politics and fix our immigration system once and for all. Which is, like, except for the like the way the sentence is arranged, it's Donald J. Trump. In recent weeks, went the, the last guy. In recent weeks, we've seen a surge of unaccompanied children arrive at the border, brought here and to other countries by smugglers and traffickers, which is precisely what Donald Trump was talking about. It's not the single Mexican men of the 1990s. It's families. It's, it's kids and women and the rest of it. Unaccompanied minors, some of whom are like 17-year-olds who are tattooed from here to there. Um, but it is a lot of uh, families. And that's exactly what the president, this president, was talking about. That's why it's a crisis. Echoing word for word what Barack Obama said. In fact, Obama! Trump said on Tuesday, that's right, Hank. Last month, 20,000 migrant children were illegally brought into the United States. A dramatic increase. These children are used as human pawns by vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs. The only difference, the only difference between 2014 and 2019 is how the media are covering it. Washington Post, July 2014, referred to, quote, the current crisis on the southwest border, where authorities have apprehended tens of thousands of unaccompanied Central American children since October. The story's lead author was Karen Tumulty, now a columnist for the Post, who completely dismissed the idea of any crisis at the border this week. She wrote, or I'm sorry, she said on MSNBC, We are headed to this extraordinary situation where the president declares a state of emergency, which does not exist, and the law does not really explain what we do if the president manufactures an emergency. 2014, New York Times. This is what it looks like when an immigration system is overwhelmed by tens of thousands of women and children from Central America. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has been ordered to coordinate efforts to contain the crisis. Times editorial board this week. The crisis is actually in the Oval Office. There is no crisis on the border. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. That's politics. Posturing, lying, exaggerating. Which is why we always say, quit, quit worshiping politicians of any stripe, of any brand. It's, just, it's a dumb thing to worship. It's a dumb thing to tie your identity to. It's just, listen, you got your beliefs, you got your politics, you ought to to advocate them as well and and forcefully and smartly as you can. I just said smartly. Um, (laughs) But for goodness sakes, don't tie your ego up in your politics. It just seems silly to me. There's so so much lying. So it's the early moments of the hearing for this uh, new attorney general. uh, And he has said in his opening statement that President Trump asked for no assurances, promises, or commitments. And I gave him none as far as... uh, you know, the Mueller report or right. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I find that sort of thing humorous because one would have to assume that if he were in on it, he wouldn't 
say it out louder, he might be willing to lie. Right. I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not concerned about this. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is, you know, right. Trying, right. He, he's becoming the attorney general to do an end around on the Russian investigation or anything like that. But it's just funny. Old, that that, old man bars could end up dead, like, you know, the second season of the House of Cards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just like funny that. that if you say that out loud, it's worth anything. Oh, that's funny. That reminds me of one of my favorite uh, media narratives over the weekend was uh, remember when. Um, you know, that New York Times story came out about the FBI launching the investigation into whether Donald J. Trump was a Russian agent. Marshall has more on that coming up in his news. Excellent. Lindsey Graham's pushback. And in the seventh paragraph of the story, they they uh, casually mention, oh, that's right, they, they found no evidence uh, that it's true. But so um, in the wake of the story coming out, uh, during the press gaggle as the president's, I think he was about to get on the uh, the Marine One helicopter or something like that. Uh, and a couple of reporters ask him questions. Are you a Russian agent? And he answered, that's is the most insulting question I've ever been asked or any president has ever been asked. And, and he went on to say, obviously, no, of course not. Um, well, on cable news, the narrative for a cup of coffee was that the president's answer was rather vague and uh, indirect. It seemed like he really wasn't willing to answer the question directly. The inference being, the implication being that the president is... A secret Russian mole, but that he's not willing to lie about it at a press gaggle. So you're, what's your, the, the narrative you're selling here is that the president's in bed with Putin. But when a clever reporter asked him, are you in bed with Putin? Trump said, duh, gah, blah, I don't know, I don't think so. No, no, maybe. No, no. Oh, come on. You people don't even make any sense. Please. That is pretty humorous. Yeah, come on. Now, uh, who was buying his apartments from him in the 90s when he was in financial problem or trouble? I don't know. Wow. We'll find out, I guess. But as far as being a mole and all, please stop wasting my time. Who does uh, the website 538 is uh, think is most likely to get the Democratic nomination to run against Donald Donald J Trump? Maybe we can get to that. I don't know. I got I got to feel I got to feel my own mood to decide whether or not I can handle that or not. I got to spread a little cash around on that. Make some bets. Get oh, some action. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. I don't follow sports anymore, but I could put some money on somebody and then pick have a rooting five against. of them. Yeah, maybe. yeah. That'd be kind of fun. And then I'll, I'll like pick a long shot. Mm-hmm. An Oprah or something like that. Be like going to the horses, but with politicians who are horses' asses. And do you speak the same love language as your partner? There are different love languages. Stop saying it like that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some breaking news that quite possibly affects you. Netflix is raising its prices. Oh, boy. The most popular plan going from $11 to $13. I think that's probably the plan we have. Yeah, even as uh, they're losing some content, right? Well, for if you're a parent, you've really noticed a step backwards in the shows that are available that are worth a crap for your kids. So, quality down, price up. Not a good place to be. Mm. Thanks for taking my money. Oh, hey, hey. 
I don't know about for grown-ups. You grown-ups still enjoy Netflix? I don't know. We, oh, my my yeah. wife and I never watch a grown-up show. I have so. limited needs, but yeah, they have what I need. So I, I believe this has something to do with the fact that creating your own content is eventually going to be more expensive than just buying the leftovers from other networks, which is what they used to do. That's how they built their company. So now that they're in the content creation business as opposed to just reselling other people's stuff, that's I think that's at least what they're selling the, the price increases it's for. right, and they've done a good job thus far. Yeah. It's wild, though, that 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 model worked for as long as it did. So nobody thought the Cars movies or all eight eight seasons of Phineas and Ferb or any of that. Nobody thought that was worth anything. So Netflix got it for nothing and put them all out there. And we were all loving it. Right. And then when the people that made that stuff said, well, somebody's making money off of our shows. They yanked them back. Right. Yeah. So you can't have those. God, some of the stuff, I, I, I should bring some in just so you can check it out. Some of the kids' shows that they now have on there are so weird. Oh. Do not, and I did this, I don't know how long we did it. God dang it, if you're not aware of this, don't let your kids sit down and like grab some random It's For Kids show on Netflix and think it's all right. They're so weird. They're from, they're, they're made in Asia and they're they're overdubbed, and there's just the, the the there's like no plot. It's just noise and sounds and yelling, and and it's just so strange. Mm. It's gonna make their brains weird, right? <laughs> right. There's certainly no artistic value. Wow, wow. And they used to have the good stuff, huh? Oh, yeah, they used okay. to have the best stuff that existed. And now mm. it's just weirdness. Wow. For the most part, although like All Hail King Julian is a Netflix creation, and it may be the best kids show I've ever seen in my life. Right. Oh, they have that. But the price has gone up for Netflix. All hail King uh, Julian Castro running for president. I think we ought to use a, a soundbite from all hail King Julian every be, time he comes up. That'd be pretty funny. As we move into the interminable election cycle. Um. So I don't know if you heard this story about Trump working for Russia. Got a fair amount of attention over the weekend. I heard he didn't deny it too strongly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, like Joe said, hilarious. <laughs> we caught you! <laughs> We caught you. I didn't have the nerve to deny it. Uh, okay. Um, but the comedians took a look at that. There's something we call the late night joke off, where we take a bunch of the late night comedians and put their jokes together, and Joe grades them. Yeah, first of all, we assess whether any of them is funny, and it's rare that one is. But yes, I grade each one of them, and whoever grades the lowest is banned from comedy for life. The New York Times revealed that after Donald Trump fired James Comey in 2017, the FBI opened an inquiry into whether Trump was secretly working on behalf of Russia, which, come on, no, no, I think that is, no, listen, I think that's ridiculous. There is nothing secret about it. (laughs) President Trump told reporters today that he has never worked for Russia. Because you know what they say, it ain't work if you love what you do. (laughs) The New York Times reported that at one point, the FBI was so concerned about the actions of President Trump, they opened an investigation into whether he was working on behalf of Russia. Now, even if Trump wasn't, it's not a good sign that the FBI decided to investigate him. (laughs) Like, if a bunch of ranch dressing goes missing and the police are like, better check over at Corden's place. I know I need to make life changes. You know? <laughs> All right, the grading was uh, somewhat difficult this time. Colbert with a C plus. It wasn't a very good joke. Myers with a B, just because the punchline was a little bit surprising. I liked it. Corden with a B, although he loses a half grade. Oh, dang it! For pronouncing ranch, ranch. <laughs> 
And in a related topic, he gets downgraded to full grade for being a foreigner, taking American comedy jobs away from Americans. Your loser, James Corden. He's banned from comedy for life, although he can keep doing that carpool thing if he wants. Carpool karaoke is pretty good. Yes, it's all right. Where is he from? It's harmless. He's a Brit. Oh, speaking of Brits, the Brexit. You want to talk about that? We'll have experts, guests. We'll have a debate. We'll take your calls. Where is that? In the, what stage is that? Uh, Parliament's going to vote on it, and it's expected to uh, vote on uh, Teresa Ow! May's. Stop that. <laughs> They're going to vote on Teresa May's uh, a negotiated settlement with the EU, and uh, it is uh, quite likely it's expected that Parliament will reject that agreement, <laughs> which... The man's a liar! What's all this then? Um, and it's expected then that then w- there will be a real problem because nobody's quite sure where to go from there. The only thing I want to talk about Brexit-wise, because I think it'll all come out in the wash and we all have bigger problems than that, um, is the dangers of direct democracy. Because, you know, uh, uh, Tony Blair, it was to- uh, not Tony Blair. Was you it end Tony up with Blair? Brexit or a bullet train. Well, any. Oh, God. Well, yes. Yeah, good point. So. Uh, a moment in time, a former British PM thought, all right, let's get rid of this whole Brexit thing once and for all. We'll have a vote, vote it down, and then we can move on to the future. Except he misjudged the moment in time. And Brits, by a very small margin, with a very low turnout, voted in favor of leaving the EU. And now polls are showing that's really wishy-washy, but do you go back on democracy? Is that betraying democracy? Nobody knows what to do now. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we have got a uh, look at the new attorney general, or at least the attorney general nominee. He's getting grilled right now. And I got to tell you, Lindsey Graham is ticked off. He is going after the FBI. We're going to get into that coming up. Okay. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. And do we have the viral video of the day at the website? That's the uh, UCLA gymnast girl doing her funky uh, floor routine. The fabulous Caitlin Ohashi. Perfect 10. And if they could give 11s, they should have. It was fabulous. How does she jump that high? Well, and uh, the g- gymnastics blows your mind. The sweetness and fun of it warms your heart. And, and, just, and she's dancing and loving it. And it was just, oh my God, it was great. It's like the heights of what humanity can achieve. And a part of the coverage of it is that she's been enduring online bullying because she has a slightly different body shape than the typical gymnast. Which just goes to show you how homo sapiens are the worst species ever. Anyway, we'll link that at armstrongandgetty.com. If you haven't seen it, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Uh, Getting underway, senators are considering the nomination of William Barr as attorney general. Opening up the confirmation hearing today, Republican Lindsey Graham said Barr will be challenged and should be challenged. California Democrat Dianne Feinstein planned some tough questions about a memo Barr... Did we have some tough questions? Did we prepare tough questions? (laughs) Uh, Yes, Senator, we did. We prepared some tough questions. Uh. Feinstein planned to ask Barr about a memo he wrote where he was critical of the Russia investigation. Anyway, those confirmation hearings getting underway right now. I thought he was particularly, specifically, he was critical of the idea that firing Comey was obstruction of justice, which a lot of people agree with. 
Adam Dershowitz, Harvard Law, right. others. Well, and I have Rod Rosenstein's letter in front of me explaining why Donald Trump ought to fire James Comey. And uh, it had nothing to do with the Russia investigation. It's a pretty good letter. Meanwhile, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, once again, Senator Lindsey Graham, ticked off about the New York Times report that the FBI opened a counterintelligence investigation regarding the possibility that President Trump was a Russian agent after the president fired James Comey. Graham intends to ask FBI Director Christopher Wray about it, telling Fox News Sunday... Well, number one, that story came from somebody who leaked it with an agenda. So I'd like to know who leaked it because they have an agenda not very friendly to President Trump. Graham going on to add... I'm going to ask the FBI director, was there a counterintelligence investigation opened up regarding the president as being a potential agent of the Russians? I find it astonishing. And to me, it tells me a lot about the people running the FBI, uh, McCabe and that crowd. I don't trust them as far as I throw them. So if this really did happen, Congress needs to know about it. And, I, and what I want to do is make sure, how could the FBI do that? What kind of checks and balances are there? The current chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee does not trust the FBI as far as he can throw them. Oof. That's an interesting situation. And so some people are trying to argue that the FBI didn't do anything untoward, even though the story is a leak from the FBI that the only reason you would possibly leak it is to damage the president. Right. I mean, the the fact that the FBI is willing to do something political is in the fact that the story exists. Mm-hmm. A hyper-politicized FBI is one of the reasons Rod Rosenstein says we probably need to move on from Comey. For instance, and that is right. clearly a problem. Right I will now. never think of the FBI the way I did up until a year ago. It'll never be the same. It's a political organization, apparently, in some ways, like a lot of other stuff in politics. We we thought they weren't, but they are. Today is not going to be a payday for forty-two thousand Coast Guard members because of the government shutdown now going into its twenty-fifth day. The Guard is the only branch of the armed forces affected because it's under the Department of Homeland Security, whose funding ran out last month. Meanwhile, at many of the nation's already busy airports, we keep getting reports that passengers are running into long lines to be screened by TSA agents who aren't getting paid, who are calling in sick. Those or, reports, or slow playing. Yeah. Although it's so hard to know whether those reports are true. People make them up all the time to serve political purposes. And I don't know if you've ever been to an airport. Sometimes the lines are long just because they're long. Inexplicably, you show up well, at Tuesday. Well, four a... flights are about to take off. Right. right. Turns out cotton is growing on the moon. China's space agency said seeds carry on, carried on a recent uh, mission to the far side of the moon have started to sprout. Yeah, over Christmas break that happened. We yep. didn't get a chance to talk about it. The Chinese landed on the dark side of the moon. Right? What? It Why is... are they growing dark side of the moon cotton? The Chinese moon what, like lander? some underpants made out of cotton <laughs> from the, the moon. Moon, moon cotton. Oh, wow. It's got to be so soft. It's the softest. Because there's <laughs> very little gravity. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes perfect sense. The oh, Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> And that same moon lightness is transferred to your undergarment. <laughs> the Chinese moon lander was carrying soil along with cotton and potato seeds, yeast, and fruit fly eggs. The Chinese scientists are hoping the sealed container can create a self-sustaining environment. Well, fine, but you stay on your side of the moon, we'll stay on ours. Right, we get the light side. <laughs> Good luck over there. <laughs> Hope your flashlights don't run out of batteries. <laughs> 
There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Can you imagine? I'm sorry, Squawky. That's Squawky or a bald eagle. Um, can you imagine if we had astronauts up there and China had astronauts up the there? At the same time, and then they fought. And there was <laughs> some sort of dispute <laughs> over who's going to plant their flag somewhere, and they're fighting. <laughs> we got video. In their spacesuits. <laughs> bouncing in right. their spacesuits. Taking fighting. their enormous, long, floaty steps, and then BAM! <laughs> But the force of your punch would probably propel you backward, so they'd be back like a quarter of a mile, so they'd have to lope toward each other again. <laughs> Slow motion. Bango! Land another yeah. blow. Slow-mo lunar fight. I'll, I'll bet that never happened. Oh, man, that'd be a pay-per-view. Yeah. How could you not watch that? <laughs> yeah. Not like Floyd boring Mayweather. Please, that'd be a fight. Yeah, it hurt my pride a little that China landed on the dark side of the moon. Mm-hmm. I like to be a number one. The dark side. I don't even know why you'd go there. To grow I, was sing, I was thinking to myself, congratulations on doing what we did 50 years ago. But On the other hand, who knows what they're actually doing over there on the dark side? You can't True. see them. True. They claim it's cotton. God knows what those dirty communists are doing. Looching around in the dark. I think we send our boys up there to investigate. Keep an eye on them. Maybe just bust up their experiment. Just a little gangsta, but and maybe just one kick of those over their sandcastle. Right, exactly. Right. Kick over their little cotton orb or whatever they're using to grow it. And then one of those moon fights you just described. Right. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't have any idea what you, listener, hi, listener, I don't know what Hello, you, friends. <laughs> I don't know what you, the listener, what your life is like and how much media you take in. I've got a job where I take in a tremendous amount of media. And, um... Wait a minute. Checking my soul. Yep. Blackened and burnt. Yep. <laughs> and it will it will wear on you, taking in no. a lot of media. And, and can color your view of things, and sometimes color my view of what I think people think. Right. Um, right. Which is uh, weird. Which is why we often say... Trust your judgment, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. That's America. The media isn't America. You, you're America. Uh, these numbers are just out. Long-term investor optimism is up. These are all good numbers. With more than 7 in 10 calling the economy's fundamentals strong, according to a new investor and business survey. Hold on, I'm part of the investor class. I should pay yes. attention to this. You this literally have hundreds of dollars invested in the markets. It's at work right now as we speak. It's right. passive income. Thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED Talk. <laughs> Positive Sean, investor. The latest UBS Investor Watch Pulse poll, whatever that is, found that 71% are more optimistic <clears throat> about the 10-year economic outlook than they were just two months ago when it was... Uh, at a high 68%. So it's gone up a little bit in the last couple of months, even though the market has gone down, mm-hmm. as we all know. Right. And quite a bit, actually. Right. If you've looked at your uh, 
portfolios, if you have that yeah. sort of thing. Well, actually, and as a guy who's been in the markets for many years, I will tell you this. I am more optimistic when they're down. It's when they're way up that I'm not optimistic because they're going to go down. Well, 10 years out, I don't even think about the market much. Right. When you're looking at oh, 10 years. Oh, crazy to. I don't, I don't even know what, 10 years? These people are very optimistic about 10 years from now. It'll be up. Well, it's always up. Well, I realize. God bless this great country, Jack. I realize that, but I don't huh? know overall how the economy will be doing in 10 years. I don't know. Or in, in what way? You know you know what? Well, I don't want to distract you. I'm reading a lot about the AI thing lately. I, I'm about to become a contrarian, which is kind of my natural thing anyway. On artificial intelligence? I'm going to be the guy who says artificial intelligence is, is going to be like every other technological development. It will create jobs. It will not ruin. I hope you're right. It would... I, I'm 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 swinging that way now. I've read some real thinkers. For instance, the job of somebody responsible for fighting against the laser and saw wielding robots didn't exist before. Right? That's a new job. That's a new career field. Somebody to train those fighters. Somebody to pick up the pieces. Exactly. Creating opportunities. But so you think there'll be as many jobs created to make up for all? I mean, there's a lot of truck driver jobs and yes. stacking boxer jobs and digging hole jobs that robots are going to be doing. Yes. All it, those will be replaced? It's my new stance. I'm a little nervous about it, mm-hmm. honestly. I sure hope you're right. Well, I just, as a, as a student of history, as a history freak, every time... Mankind predicted that the new technology would would uh, decimate employment and there would be no more opportunities and blah, blah. Every time we've been wrong, and, and y'all know that, but every time they had good, solid reasoning why it would end everything. And according to the knowledge of the time and the capacity of the human imagination to look at the economy and figure out what's going to happen for its time, it was always good, sound reasoning. Well, this current reasoning is really good and sound about how AI is going to eliminate 40% of the jobs that exist. It's good and sound in the same way it was in 1840 and 1890 and 1920. And I just, I don't want to be that guy. The, the, the guy who makes the same historical mistake for the same reasons. You'll be judged by history, Joe Getty. All right. <laughs> it, it seems like you're more just betting on humanity's ability to think its way out of these sort of things like they're, 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 it's we aren't set in stone the the adaptability of the human species is our greatest strength and, and right. going forward we can uh, we can tackle these problems as they present themselves here's here's the answer and maybe it's an elon musk or several elons musk or uh, you know thomas uh, edison's or maybe it's just all the scrappy american entrepreneurs and all right i'll grant you there's some smart people in other countries, too, even China. But it will be another era of, wait a minute, now we can. And and th- the way that sentence is finished will be, you know, the new, new frontier. Now, I get the AI thing. Now the machines can manage the machines and sharpen the very saws that they'll come after us with. But I just, I don't, I, I just... We've always been wrong with that prediction. So the people uh, in this survey are way smarter than me about economics and predicting this sort of thing. And 71% of them now expect the economy to be uh, roaring in 10 years. My concern is not with with any of that stuff. I just think our growing appetite for socialism is going to drag us down. That's that's my biggest Mm, concern. Really good point. That just culturally, we're more of a, I want somebody else to pay for it. I deserve, Society. I deserve 
virtually everything it takes to have a happy life without lifting a finger, and other people should pay their fair share and pay for that for right. me. That's my Otherwise, I'm being cheated. And that's an attitude more than any of the structural stuff. You're right. Well, I guess that an attitude is part of the structure. But You're right. Look at the British economy. I look at I'm a wrong. lot of the European economies. Look what's happening in France right now. Boy, is France an interesting place right now with their giant protests and all. They, they've realized what they have wrought. And part of it's economic, part of it's social, immigration, the EU, the rest of it. But they're, they're having spasms of this is not working. This is really bad. Now, whether they as a society and a government can figure out why and what to do about it, that's the difficult next step. But the whole big welfare state, you only have to work 27 hours a week, you can never be fired, the unions are all powerful, that thing ain't working, and they know it now. I wonder what direction they'll go with their next presidential election. So they brought in an outsider, just like we did, uh, not really involved with either party. And uh, just because they thought, let's just try something different, throw a wrench in the works. Monsieur what, Macron! What direction will they go after that, similar to us? I right. don't know. Did you hear what Macron just, um, I'm, I'm Googling it real quick to come up with, what he just uh, suggested? The grand debate. Le grand debata. Or something. Is that French? So, oh, boy. More um, French than what Joe said. So, he is essentially repeating what I said. And saying, look, all you people are out in the streets, everybody's mad, they're, they're smashing stuff, or wearing their yellow vests and all. All right, I tell you what, every town in France, because evidently local mayors are still held in esteem in France, because you have your districts or whatever they call them, and, and everybody knows who the mayor is, and it's mm. an important local government figure, or so I'm told. Um, but they're going to have these grand debates in like all the French towns, and talk about, all right, what's wrong with France? Town and, hall meetings? Yeah, exactly, and what do we do about it? Um, and that's his plan going forward to try to quell the protests in the streets. Too much cheese. Yeah, he he wrote some two thousand word letter that's going to be published in the in the French newspapers, and it asks a series of questions, including things like which taxes do you think we should cut, and are there too many administrative layers? Uh, that's the only. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the that's the only summary I've seen. I haven't gone through and I seen like all the things, but I like yeah, that. I do absolutely like the idea of of somebody suggesting a framework. Now, you could probably argue for months over what the framework ought to be, what questions we ought to be answering and asking, um, asking and answering. But uh, if you just open up a town hall and say, "Our seems this morning is what is wrong with France." It'll degenerate into the dumbest 10% at each end yelling at each other. Stop it with that. But so I do like the idea of some sort of framework, but um, this is an interesting experiment in governance. Well, he probably wants France is not as gigantic as the United States. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, There probably is more of a um, similarity throughout France than we've got in the United States because we're so big. Yeah, and so diverse. Um, part of it, I'm sure, is to get information on what they can actually do to move forward, and part of it is they need a release valve that is not smashing things. Absolutely which true. Is, uh, which is the way they've been doing it now for like six weeks. Quit blocking the highways and get to the town hall. Exactly. Talking about taxes and services and labor and uh, and, and politics. And Berets, and baguettes. <laughs> and cheese, of course. Uh, the Germans and surrendering, Napoleon, very Napoleon certainly. Um, wow, yeah, okay, French mustard. Well, and then you get into French's mustard. You mean or, uh, right? Uh, French kissing. 
Naturally. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm going to send the kids out of the room. They'll, they'll all eat French toast. <laughs> all right. You know what? It's the end. This didn't start well, and it's degenerated. <laughs> I wonder how frank the discussion will be of cultural norms and immigration. That's going to be a big one. You know, we don't have a lot of time to I talk about this. I say once again, read Submission, one of my favorite books I've ever read in my life. It's a novel, but it's about France and its possible future. And uh, and Islam, right? Radical Islam in particular? Mm-hmm. Or is that oversimplifying it? Oh, uh, no. Okay. Um, uh, you look at your happiest nations on Earth, your, your Denmarks and your, your Scandinavian states, and all of those countries were ethnically homogenous. They were people who view the world in substantially the same way. And that effect on their coherence and their, their happiness and the way their systems worked and even how their welfare state could exist and be fairly efficient had everything to do with uh, of shared cultural norms. That's just true. And I'm not a racist. I'm not a xenophobe. I'm not a, any sort of supremacist of any sort. As you introduce different cultures and different ways of viewing the proper role of government, the proper role of marriage, the proper role of children and police and religion and every other thing, it makes it more and more difficult to manage a society. And, and France is running squarely into that right now. And I just wonder how squarely they'll be able to deal with that aspect of it. Joe is going to recreate that viral video of the gymnastics routine that girl did at UCLA for a perfect 10. I'm going to want to stretch for 10 or 15 seconds, but yeah, I, th- I feel like I'm ready. Well, you got a new hip. You can do it. Hey, did you hear about, have you seen the, the crazy Gillette ad? We'll be getting to that on the Armstrong and Getty Show. It's uh, about toxic masculinity. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.